If you have your Bible, you can open up to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this time that we have together. I pray, Lord, your blessing upon the study. Lord, may it uh, speak to us and, and correct us and exhort us. May it encourage us. Lord, whatever your spirit would desire to do through your word in our hearts, I pray that you would find ready and willing recipients. And Lord, and praise you for these people. It's always a blessing uh, to be with them, to be able to share your word with them, and be able to receive your word with them. It's truly an honor to be amongst them. So. I give you all the glory, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, uh, since we have the next two Thursdays together while Sam is in Haiti, I did desire to do uh, a bit of a mini-series, but a book that's a bit auspicious for me, Um, and even an important chapter. Chris knows. He was in the youth group. It takes me sometimes a year to get through a chapter, and and only two weeks. It's not going to be enough time. I'm a slow teacher. So... I sat down with great prayer and meditation on what to share with you. It was with a deep sense of consternation that the Lord finally imparted to me the answer to this longing question and and said, you know what, why don't you just share my sermon and begin where I began. And so that's what we'll do. And and, and you see here three chapters set before you, the most glorious sermon ever spoken by a man. And, and And well, you said... You know, Mr. Preacher, that it would take you a year to get through a chapter, and then you chose three. So what were you thinking? Well, if we're lucky, we're going to get through the first 12 verses in two weeks. So that's what I was thinking. Um, that's, our, that's our goal. That's my focus. So if we're especially fortunate, we'll be able to get through all of the Beatitudes. But we're not going to begin to get there if we don't begin right now. So verse 1. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up to the mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. So here you have Jesus, the great judge with full authority, sitting before these men. He's going to share a sermon with them, and we call this the Beatitudes. It might be an unfamiliar word to to some. It's from the Latin meaning blessings. So he's simply going to impart these blessings to them, the, the great creator of heaven and earth. The one with full authority, able to speak blessings into a man's life, able to, to determine who is blessed by God. You know, Spurgeon said, and you knew that you wouldn't get through a message without hearing from Spurgeon. Spurgeon said that, uh, that one enjoys a sermon all the better for knowing something of the preacher. And the preacher today is Jesus Christ. In this great sermon upon the mountain in Galilee. And you have him... Uh, being the ever-blessed Son of God, being the channel of blessing to, to all men at all times. And you have in him the one who is able to tell you who are the blessed of God and how to be blessed of God. So we have here in this, in, in this man uh, the, the full authority to speak on the subject of eternal blessings and, and set before us nine beatitudes, nine blessings, an essential how-to guide, nine characteristics and qualities of how to live a blessed life 
and, and how to receive blessings beyond this life. It's a marvelous text, one that I'm sure you're all familiar with. And it's from the onset, Jesus answers the great question, the most meaningful question that plagues our hearts in the quiet recesses of our minds, how to live a happy life, how to be totally satisfied with life. And isn't this at the core of what it means to be blessed? And he answers it right here, and, and, and maybe you would think ahead and you would say, well, different times and different phases of my life, I've asked the question myself, and how can I live a happy life? And maybe when you were a child, you, like me, thought, well, to live a happy life, well, it's, the, the answer is candy, and that's, that's, what, that's what it'll take to satisfy me. Maybe some of you are still there. God bless you. you know, and, and you're still, you know, if I could just have enough junior mints, I'll be, I'll be totally and completely happy. And, and, then, and then you see that there's a fine line between, between having enough junior mints and having too many junior mints. And it crosses the boundary line between what it means to be happy and what it means to be sickly. And, and there you might go from your, your, your childhood to your teen years. And you would go, well, what does it mean to be happy now that I'm a teenager? And you think, well, if I just had a car. If I just had a car, I'd be so happy. If I just had a computer, you know, maybe a, maybe a video game system. If I had an iPod or, or an iPad or an iTouch or an iPhone. And, and you think, well, I can never have enough. Maybe I'm looking for the wrong stuff. And then you begin to look around and it's not a thing. Maybe it's a person. If I was just with that person. I could, I could be happy, and that's what it means to be blessed, maybe. And, 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 and you, so you seek after that person. You try and get that person, and that person, they'll make me happy. They'll complete me. I'll look into their eyes like Tom Cruise looked at Renee Zellweger and say, you complete me, and it'll be true for me, and I'll be happy. And then you're an adult, and maybe you've entered into that phase, and it seems as, as though most of you have. And, and, and you think, well, maybe it's, maybe it's in a job. Right? Maybe it's in my savings account, and I wish I had more savings in my account. Maybe it's in my house. And if, and if you're me, you wish you had a dishwasher in your house. And, and, and that's, that's, what it, that's what it takes. That's what I need. That's what I want. And if you look ahead in the sermon, maybe scan down the next nine, and, and you see Jesus saying, you want to be truly blessed. You need, you need, you need to be poor, depressed, and hungry. And you're like, what is he talking about? I'm so confused and conflicted. He didn't say anything about candy or money or a dishwasher. None of that's in there. He begins to develop the, this pattern for peace that passes all understanding. And the first step is found in poverty. And in verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heavy, heaven. Sorry. And you have here this this prescription for peace, beginning with poverty, and, and not materially, maybe, but spiritually, definitely, to look at yourself and acknowledge the poverty that is within you, because naturally none of us are spiritually wealthy. You know, if, if holiness and righteousness were pennies and dollars, we'd all be impoverished. It's not in us naturally. It's not a part of us fundamentally. And, and we're born in sin, and we live our lives every day to prove that simple fact. It's, and, 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 you know, 
don't see it very commonly in Upland, but maybe you drive down the streets and, and you see someone wandering the streets and, and, and you say, oh, what a sad state that that person's in. There but by the grace of God goes I. That poor person, impoverished, and they're filthy and gnarly and, and it's, it's sad. But not me. I showered today. And I'll probably do it again tomorrow. You know, and I combed my hair. You can tell because this is not natural. <laughs> and, and you know, it's like I, I, I'm, I'm wearing clean clothes. I know because I washed them. You know, and, and this, is, this, is, this is me. I'm not like them. Oh, but dear ones, look into the mirror of God this night. Acknowledge that you can see yourself in them. That, that you, maybe not materially as they, but just as they spiritually are in poverty. Romans chapter 3 says that there is none righteous, no, not one. And in our humanity, we're filthy. And realizing that is the first step towards being truly, biblically happy. And I love this. If you're to, if you're to note it, Matthew picks up in the first gospel, gospel, this being the first sermon in the gospel. Jesus picks up right where the law leaves off. The Old Testament presents to us the, the, the prescription of the law. Jesus begins in grace. He says, all that the law can do for you is expose you and show you the reality of you. It's, 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 it's as if the, the law would walk up to you and turn out your pockets and as lint and fuzz falls upon the floor and say, you see, this is you. And you need to realize that this is you. You need to acknowledge that this is you. And, and, and as you do, it, it doesn't leave you there. Jesus doesn't come up to you and say, hey, you, and he shakes you. You're like Laodicea. You're poor, blind, and naked. Acknowledge it. And have a nice night. I'll see you later. He doesn't do that. He stops there and he says, listen, I'm setting you on a path to all the blessings of heaven. And they're going to be poured out upon you from this prescription. But first, it's going to take this essential step. It's going to take you acknowledging that you don't already have them. Oh, we walk around with such pride, thinking that our pockets are full, and I'm in need of nothing. I'm fine, and you're fine, and we're all fine. And I believe what I believe, and you believe what you believe. No. The law is a mirror to expose you, to say you need to look at yourself and realize you don't already have it. And turn out your pockets and recognize it. And once you recognize it, there's a natural response to it. And that's in verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The word here for mourn in the Greek is pantheo, and it means to wail. And this is an anguish of the soul. This isn't a slight sob. This is, this is a snotty disaster. This is anguish. And you, and you pour out your heart, wailing before God as if you were at a funeral. And you know, I've, I've been to a few funerals, and, 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 and there, were, there were some, like my grandmother's, where there was a sense of sadness. 
But at the same time, there was so much rejoicing because she knew the Lord and she walked with the Lord. And it was wonderful to, to see her uh, walk with the Lord through this life and then in, into eternal life. But then there were other funerals like my, my step-grandpa, her husband, who was not a Christian. And the sense of sadness at that funeral where the tears just poured from me and my heart broke within me. It was a terrible sense of loss. And I just remember crying out until I had nothing more to cry out. And I remember just groaning until my voice.